0: I want to welcome our very own Pastor Phil um, to come join us. He hates being called pastor, but many of you might not know this. He is a reverend, so welcome him up.
1: Are you going fishing, Phil? This is why I'm not a pastor. I
0: don't know how to run this thing. All right. Well, last week we started a new series called Nuts and Bolts, and the whole premise of this series is that in our age that we live right now, there are no shortage of opinions, ideas, perspectives, or thoughts about what or who God is. So it is our um, journey for the next few weeks is to figure out what are the nuts and bolts that hold us together. So this morning, Phil is going to be bringing us a word about who is God and who is Jesus. So take right. away,
1: Thank Phil. You, Pastor Chris. Uh, Welcome, good morning. I'm happy to be up here speaking with you this morning. Um, I'm a little nervous about this row over here. There's some uh, former students and um, some friends of our family and our son Grant, so I don't know if they're here to encourage me or to heckle me, so we'll see. But as Pastor Chris shared, we are talking about uh, the essentials of our faith. What are those things that are core to what we believe in? and serve as our foundation as Christians. And <clears throat> you might be thinking, there might be some people here thinking something along these lines, you know, I've been a Christian for like a hundred years, and I know all this stuff, and I believe all this stuff, and so why are we, why are we going over this? Um, well, you might think that your foundation is secure, and um, you know, be done with it, but In reality, if you're to be honest, what we take in every day, like the messages and the ideas and the beliefs that we hear day in and day out, like a drippy faucet, a lot of them are running the exact opposite of what we believe as Christians. And if we're not careful, we can allow those ideas and beliefs and messages to kind of erode gradually what we believe. You know, water can erode concrete given enough time. And so I think it's good that we every once in a while just step back and, you know, take a big picture look and we re-examine those things that we believe as Christians to kind of shine a light on them and, and reaffirm what we believe. And uh, <clears throat> so in 1 Timothy 4.16, Paul uh, wrote to Timothy and said this, watch your life and your doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. So he says, watch your life. Watch how you live your life. Day in and day out, it matters how we live our life. But he also said, watch what you believe. Watch your doctrine because it, that matters also. And really, what you believe will ultimately impact how you live your life, Right? So, if you're here today and you're a believer, I hope and pray that these uh, messages over the next coming weeks will encourage you in the faith and they will strengthen your foundation. If you're here today and you're, you're not really a believer, you're kind of just kind of checking things out, uh, not sure about Christianity, I hope and pray that this message uh, brings you closer. So, the topic this morning, as Pastor Chris said, is, is God and Jesus. Now, to make things easy, we could just say, maybe I could just take a survey and say, everyone raise your hand if you believe in God, raise your hand if everyone believes in Jesus, and probably the vast majority, if not all, people would just re raising their hands, and we could say, all right, let's go to Blueberry Hill and get some breakfast, and we're all done with it, right? (laughs) But I'm not going to do that. Um, Actually, most people believe in God. Uh, There was a Pew Research poll a few years ago that show that between 90 and 80 percent of people believe in some kind of a god okay whatever that means um, but does it matter what you believe about god if you were to, to interview 100 people on the street you'd probably get 100 different ideas about what god is and so is it just a matter of personal opinion um, what, what are we supposed to believe now initially i was thinking that this message should come first in our series because, I mean, there's nothing more foundational about our faith than God and Jesus. But then I was thinking, well, but if we don't have a standard of faith, something to go off of this, this word of God that Pastor Chris preached on last week, then really we could come up with a million different ideas about God and they'd all be wrong. So this morning we're going to look at some common beliefs about God and then compare them to what the Scripture says. So I'd like us to pray before we get started here. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the privilege of sharing this morning, and I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would speak to us. God, that it would guide us into all truth. I pray that you would open our hearts up and our minds to receive, and I pray if there's anyone here today that doesn't know you, God, I pray that you would reveal yourself to them today. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning we're going to talk about a bunch of isms, okay? Uh, first one is atheism. A means no. Theo means God. And so the atheist looks out on this beautiful, amazing world that, that looks through the telescope at the intricacy of all the stars and everything working together. They look through a microscope at the very, you know, cellular level and all, you know, the DNA structure, how intricate and amazing it is, and they say, nope. There's nothing behind all this. It's just a random coincidence. A cosmic accident. A very fortunate cosmic accident because we're here, but it's an accident nonetheless. Um, Now, to me, that takes a lot of faith to believe that. A couple things, though, about about atheism. You know, really, uh, they can't know for sure that God doesn't exist. And if they claim to know, really what they're saying is that, that they've lived at, at every point in time throughout history and that they've been everywhere and that they know everything. And so really, it's almost like they're setting themselves up as God and it's a little arrogant. Also, atheists don't believe in nothing. Everybody believes in something, whether it's a God or a political system or a philosophy. Um, actually, I have a couple of friends who are atheists, And it seems to me that a lot of atheists uh, worship something called, are you ready? Called science. Science. Not the science you learn in school, like the scientific method method of, you know, investigation and hypothesis and theory, whatever that is, I can't remember what it is, but but science with a capital S. Because without a God, they have to appeal to something as the ultimate authority, and they use that as their God. Um, so, because, hey, it's science. Okay, Can't argue with science. In Psalms 14.1, it simply says, the fool says in his heart that there is no God. Agnosticism, A means no, and gnosis means knowing. An agnostic looks, on, looks out on this beautifully complex, you know, creative world and says, yes, yes, there is something behind all this. But we can't know who that is, that God is distant and impersonal. It's almost like, like he created everything, got everything going, and then he went on vacation, okay, that we can't know him. Um, a famous analogy that's used by uh, both people of faith and agnostics is, is something called the watch and the watchmaker. Maybe you're familiar with it, but it goes something like this. Like if you're walking along, and you see a watch, you pick it up, like a, one of those old you know, mechanical watches, and you open it up, and you look at all the gears spinning and the, and the shafts and everything working together, and you think to yourself, there must be a watchmaker, right? This watch didn't make itself. Voltaire, who was an agnostic, he was a French philosopher, he used that analogy to say, I shall always be convinced that a watch proves a watchmaker, and that a universe proves a creator. Now he was a deist, um, which is like a type of agnostic, and also was Thomas Jefferson was as well. In fact, one time Thomas Jefferson had a New Testament written that took out all the miraculous from it. So all that was left were just the stories and the teachings of Jesus. He thought it was just a book. Their God is impersonable and unknowable. But Scripture teaches that our God is very personable. He wants to have a relationship with us. It says in Matthew 10 that not even a sparrow falls to the ground without your Father in Heaven knowing about it. It says that He, he knows even the number of hairs on your head. And so some of us are making it real easy on God, are you? Manny, <laughs> Dominic, you know. Okay, I'm working on it right here, so I'm, not, I'm, I'm included too. But uh, it also describes... He also describes himself as our heavenly father, and we're his children. That just gives you a, a picture into who God, how God wants to relate to, to us as a, as a good father. Now, as a father myself, I wish that my kids would interact with me more. I mean, they, they live all over the world. They're all like on different places, ends of the world. But, um, and I'm sure my dad thinks the same thing. Like I, he, I'm sure he wishes I would call him more often. I wish my, my kids would call me up and, um, you know, need my advice. Say, Dad, I really need your advice on this. I just, I w- I just wish that. I don't know why I'm talking about that. <laughs> um, <clears throat> polytheism. Poly means many, and theo means God. And in that belief system, there are many gods, infinite, god, infinite number of gods. Um, and everything could be sacred from, you know, from sacred stones to sacred mountains to the sun god to idols or statues. Um, Hinduism, Confucianism. Taoism and uh, many tribal religions are polytheistic. Uh, <clears throat> one day, the Apostle Paul was in Greece and he was walking through the streets of Athens. And Athens was a very, what they pride themselves on being very you know intelligent, cutting-edge, progressive. Uh, they were also very polytheistic. And Paul stood up and said this in, in Acts 17. He said, Men of Athens, I see that in every way You are very religious. For I, as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with the inscription to an unknown God. Now, what you worship is something unknown. I am going to proclaim to you today. So Paul had experienced the one true living God, and he was going to share that with him. Pantheism, pan means all, theo means God, is an ancient belief system that basically says that God and the universe are one and the same, that God is in everything and everything is in God. Um, probably a modern version of that might be people who basically worship like Mother Earth. That they worship nature. They, they only would worship what they can see with their own eyes. Some New Age uh, beliefs are, are like that. Paul also addressed that in Romans chapter 1 where he said this, They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served, created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. Amen. You know, certainly we are living in a very material world and we have a hard time seeing the supernatural. And so it's easy for us to just interact with what we can see with our own eyes. And even as Christians, even as believers, we need to be careful about that that we are open to God in our lives. And so that brings us to what we as Christians believe, and that is monotheism. Mono means one, theo means God. Um, In Deuteronomy 6.4, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And so that basically narrows it down to Judaism, Christianity, and Islam the three biggest religions in the world, and all three of them believe in one God. Now, are those all gods all the same? Well, Judaism and Christianity worship the same God. It's just that they don't acknowledge that Jesus is the Messiah. Like all those scripture verses in the Old Testament that we believe were prophetic about Christ being the fulfillment of the Messiah, they don't believe, they reject Christ. And that's, that's huge, that's, that's big. <clears throat> Some people believe that uh, Muslims and Christians worship the same God, but I would argue that, <clears throat> excuse me, what they believe, what they perceive God to be, is diametrically opposed to what we believe as Christians. Their God is off in the distance and angry, and is always. They're always trying to appease their God. The Christian God says, "I am your Father in heaven, and I love you, and I sent my Son to die for you." Um, Now, actually, Muhammad was well-versed in both the New Testament and the Old Testament. In fact, he preached at some Jewish synagogues and some Christian churches for a while until he started having revelations that were contrary to that, and they kicked him out because his teachings were heretical. Um, So, we're good to go, right? We believe that our God, Yahweh, Jehovah, is the one true God. So now we can go out for breakfast, right? Go to Blueberry Hill. Um, but wait a minute. Is that all there is? Is it, is it just enough to know that there is one true God? It matters deeply who you believe God is, but it also matters deeply what you believe about God because that will, inter- that will influence how you interact with him and how you live your lives. So I have this little video. It's kind of funny You could show that. What if we treated God like we treat people? Do I believe in wife? I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. Who doesn't? I believe in wife.
2: So do you think you live your life any differently because you believe in wife?
1: I mean, mean, yeah, I, I, I put the toilet seat down if that counts. Do you ever talk to wife? No, man. Uh, I'm not. I you know. I don't really talk to wife. I'm not. I'm not one of those wife nuts.
2: Oh yes, I believe in mom. What do you think mom is like? I think she's big and powerful, and she wants me to be happy. What makes you happy? Being comfortable and doing my own thing and not being bothered by my sister. Anything else? Um, getting lots of toys. Does mom ever ask you to do anything? If she did, that wouldn't make me very happy. Sounds like mom is pretty easy going. Oh, yes, she's very nice. I think she's smiling on me right now. Yeah, I believe in Boss. I mean, my views probably aren't orthodox, but sure, yeah, I believe in Boss. Can you describe some of your views of Boss? Well, I think Boss is really whatever we make him or her out to be. I mean, each person decides what kind of boss they want to believe in. And I don't think anybody should try to impose their views or act like their boss is the true boss. I mean, that's just intolerant. So you don't think it matters whether you're right about boss or not? Well, I don't really use words like right or wrong. I mean, I think it's all relative. You may see one thing about boss and I see another thing about him. Or her. Maybe you think that boss says things like, get back to work and be on time, and that's fine, whatever, I'm okay with that. But don't act like I have to believe in that kind of boss.
1: (laughs) Okay. So um, it's not enough just to believe that God exists. In fact, in James 2 19, it says, You believe that there is one God good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Another version of that same verse says, you believe that there is one God, good for you. Like, la-ti-da, that, that's nothing. Everyone needs to believe that. That's, that's basic. The problem is that we live in a very pluralistic culture, uh, and there's pressure for us not just to be tolerant of other people's beliefs, but to start believing things like, to each his own, and you do you. And all paths lead to God, or all paths lead to heaven. And we have to be careful as Christians that we don't allow that type of thinking to influence us, thinking that it's just it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere about it. First of all, all paths cannot lead to God. And you know that may be an easy thing to believe in because it seems so open-minded and tolerant, but think about it. The beliefs are contradictory. They're, they contradict each other. Like Hinduism says, there are many gods, an infinite number of gods. The Christian God says, I am the one true living God. Buddhism says, there is no God. The Christian God says, Here I am, I'm God. New Age and like pantheism says, We're all gods. But the Christian God says, No, you're not. I created you, I'm your creator. Uh, Muslims believe in a powerful yet angry and personal God, but the God of the Christian faith is, it says, I'm your Father in heaven, I love you dearly. It's really illogical to think that two opposite things can both be true at the same time. It doesn't make any sense. And if really you believe something like that, what you're believing is that uh, if, every, if you believe in everything, <clears throat> really what you believe, you believe in Nothing. Because you're reducing belief to like a psychological mind game, like a, a, a fairy tale to make us feel good. But God is real. Jesus is real. And it matters It matters what we believe. Just because we're sincere about something or passionate about something, that doesn't make it true. People have believed things throughout history that weren't true. And many times they've, they've di- been willing to die for that, but it wasn't true. So if you believe that God is impersonal, impersonable and doesn't want to interact with you, you probably won't interact with him. Or you might, might sit back and say, God, you know, show yourself to me. I'm just going to sit here and wait until you, you, know, until you show yourself. But Scripture says in James 4.8, it says, draw near to God and God will draw near to you. It's like we have to take a personal risk. An investment risk in order to find god and i really believe that every single person walking this planet is desperate to know what is the meaning of life why was i born why why am i here is there there's nothing more than just you know growing up and you know marrying and having a job and trying to do some good things and enjoy life and then i die is that all there is People are wanting to know, is that really the the meaning of life? There's nothing beyond this? Is this all an accident? I also believe that there is a God-shaped hole in the heart of every person that can only be filled by its creator. You know, we can try to fill it with many different things, with careers and, and relationships and, you know, entertainment and just searching for things that will fulfill us, but it will, will really only find true purpose and true fulfillment in the one who created us. Sometimes, you know, I feel like God is very distant. Like I, I can't see him, I can't experience him, can't feel him. I feel like when I'm praying, I'm just saying words, I'm reading my Bible. It's just like, it's like I'm going through the motion. This is what a Christian is supposed to, supposed to be like day in and day out. Christians go to church on Sunday, right? Uh, they read their Bible and they pray. But other times, I can sense his presence so deeply, so powerfully that I just, I just break down and weep. And I know that he's there, and I know that he, it's like he's listening in on my thoughts, and he's, he's walking next to me as I go about my day. It, you know, It blows my mind to think that the creator of the universe, the one who made everything, is big enough... And cares enough to have a relationship with you and me. That he loves me that much. That that he, he's interested in what I how my day is going, and then he gave his his one and only son to die for us. You know, we can certainly live our lives as if God wasn't there. Uh, and actually, sometimes as Christians, I think we do. From time to time, we kind of we do live our lives as if. God is not really listening to our prayers as if he's not really watching over us, that he doesn't, you know, that he's not with us every, every step of the day and that he doesn't really care how we live our lives, uh, sometimes we snub God. We've got other things to do, right? But if it's true, if God is real and he does want to have a relationship with him and he loves us deeply, then we should make a greater effort to reach out to him, Right? It says in Jeremiah 29:13, "You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart." God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So that brings us to our second topic and that is Jesus. It matters what you believe about God, but it also matters what you believe about Jesus. In fact, believing in Jesus is central to our faith. It's kind of unique in that sense that Christianity is not based on, you know, performing a ceremony or a ritual or, you know, joining an organization or, um, you know, into it or being, or being born into it. But it's based on what you believe. That's the entrance requirement is what you believe. John 3.16, for whoever believes in my name will have everlasting life. Um, Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Hebrews eleven six. 6, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because those who come to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards him, them who diligently seek him or earnestly seek him. So when it comes to Jesus, it's important that we understand who Jesus is. Uh, what the Bible teaches that he, that he is, that he was born of a virgin, that he lived a sinless life, that he performed many miracles when he's here on this earth, that he died on the cross for the sins of the world, to take away those sins, that he was raised on the, from, from the dead on the third day, and that he's at the right hand of the Father right now interceding for us. Because <clears throat> if we don't believe that, if we don't believe that Jesus was born of a virgin, then we don't believe he was God. And if we don't believe he was God, then he wasn't, didn't live a sinless life. He's just like you or me. And if he's just like you or me, then what he did on the cross didn't do anything. He, didn't, he couldn't save the world because he was a sinner just like us. And if you believe that he didn't raise from the dead, then you believe that we won't raise from the dead, that this life is all there is, that we're not going to see our loved ones after this earth. It's, it's important what we believe. All Scripture really points both Old Testament and New Testament, to faith in God. John 20, 31 says, These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. You know, it's kind of strange that um, they say there's two things you're not supposed to talk about in public, politics and religion, right? But weirdly, that's the only two things I like to talk about. So, I don't know. I don't get to talk much, I guess. But um, you can talk about God in a generic sense and get away with it. But when you bring up Jesus, people get very intense, right? They tense up because Jesus was a very controversial person. And he made some very bold and exclusive statements. He said, I and my Father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Right? He claimed to be God. He also said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He didn't say, I am just one of many ways. He said, I am the way to the Father. You cannot get to heaven if you don't go through me. So, <clears throat> this is very offensive to our world that wants everyone's belief to be fine. But, it either is either true or it's not true. So what are we going to do about Jesus? He was. He was certainly a historical figure that was crucified by the Romans, and many people claim to have seen seen him after his death, that he was resurrected. And those people that saw him were willing to die for that belief. Now, earlier I said that a lot of people have died for things that they believed in, believed to be true, but with the early Christians, they If they knew it wasn't true, they willingly went to to death for something they didn't believe in? That doesn't make any sense. Like, who would die for a lie? Several apologetic authors, and apologetics is just like the defense of the faith, had suggested that when it comes to Jesus, there is a trilemma. Not a dilemma, but a trilemma. That he was either one of three things. He was either a liar, that he was a lunatic, or that he was Lord. Or is Lord. So if Jesus wasn't the Son of God, yet claimed to be, he was lying. And if that's true, then he would have been like the most evil, contemptible person that ever lived because he knowingly misled millions of people, eventually millions of people, and sent them into eternity without hope. The second one doesn't seem very plausible either because everything about Jesus, like his demeanor, his character, how he interacted with people, his teachings. Everybody everybody raves about him as being a great moral teacher. But you can't, in the same breath, say he was a great moral teacher, but he was also crazy too, right? It It doesn't fly. So Jesus is the Lord. He is who he says he was. He's the Lord and Savior, the only way to the Father in heaven. In Matthew 16, Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then he said, But what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. So that really is the question here today is who do you say that Jesus is? It matters what you believe about God. It also matters what you believe about Jesus. And if there is a God above who loves and cares us and wants to have a relationship with us, then we should make a greater effort to reach out to him. Not just on Christmas and Easter. Not just once a week. But every single day that we would open our lives up to him and let him speak to us and guide us and fill our lives. We cannot be... Like in the movie, the office lady who thinks, well, God is whoever you, know, he, you want him to be, or her to be, I guess she said. Uh, we cannot be like the little girl who just thinks God is just here to make her happy and has no expectations for her life. And we certainly can't be like the man who believed in wife but didn't want to talk to his wife, right? We, we, if we believe in God, then we should, we should want to reach out and, and, and talk to him. Let me take a little survey here. How many people have ever seen God? Raise your hand. Okay. It takes faith to believe in God. But it's not blind faith. Like it's based in reason. It's based on facts. It's based on, you know, our minds. And uh, C.S. Lewis once said, or defined faith as this. Faith is the art of holding on to things that your reason has once accepted in spite of your changing moods, okay? So it does take faith, but it also takes effort. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. You just can't stand back and and hope that he reveals himself to you. So I'm going to close with this. The year was 1977. I was dating a beautiful girl named Merritt. I was enjoying my first car, which was a 73 Chevy Nova 350, had a V8 engine in it, had three on the floor. It's a pretty awesome car. It, it, the outside was orange, candy-coated, uh, candy or whatever, very shiny orange. It had a white Landau top, and it had chrome bumpers, very cool chrome bumpers. And on the back bumper, there was a bumper sticker that said, Wise men still seek him. Now, I thought it was clever. Probably most people had no idea what that meant, but it did offer a few opportunities to, um, to share my faith. I also had a bumper sticker that said, my boss is a Jewish carpenter. But what was weird because um, there was a Jewish general contractor in the area and people thought I worked for him, <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Rosenau. So, it's like, that one didn't do much good. Um, but, just think about that. It's true. If there is something beyond this grave, if there's a God in heaven, who cares about us and loves us, then we should make a greater effort to seek him out. Just think about the wise men. They, they didn't have all the answers. When they started out on their journey, they had, they had something to go off of. They had some scriptures that they, were, they read, and they think, hmm, there's a Messiah coming. And then they saw this star in the distance, and they had no idea. But so they just, But they went on this journey, this spiritual journey, to find the divine, to find God. And I'm sure there were times during that journey that they, they felt like, we've made a mistake. We should turn around and go back home. And I'm sure there were times when they couldn't see the star, and they just were just going blindly. But they, they kept going. They, they kept seeking God. They kept seeking the divine, and when they found Him, they bowed down and worshiped God. They, they found the Messiah. I'm sure you, many of you, have found the Messiah as well. I've, I've found Jesus. And he's, he's forgiven me of my sins. He, he's given me a, a sense of purpose. He's put love and joy and peace in my heart. You know, when you look around this world, at first glance, you can't see God, right? But if you look close enough, you'll see evidence of him all around. Like you'll see he left his fingerprints all around, like... like your three year old who got into something. You know, your three year old's been in this room because they've left evidence of it, right? So, God has, has put this evidence all over the place so that we would know him. We would, we would seek him out. In Acts chapter 17, this is later on when Paul was speaking to the, the people of Athens. He said, God did this, meaning God has revealed himself to you throughout nature. He's left his fingerprints all over creation. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out to him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. I'm going to pray this, pray right now. Lord, I thank you so much that you are a personal God, a God that we can know, a God who loves us so much and cares for us, that you're a Father in heaven. I thank you, God, that you sent your Son to die on the cross for our sins, God, to make a way that we could come back to you, Lord. And God, I just pray that you would just open our hearts up. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to people, God, and draw them to yourself, Lord. And we just ask all of this in Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thanks, Phil. There's a book that I read in the last two years. My wife was really frustrated about me with it because I wrote it, read it on vacation. Um, and the whole time I was like, hey, listen to this. And she's like, Chris, we're in Paris right now. I don't care about what you're reading. But the book was fascinating because it made a claim, and the claim was this, that today in the multiplicity that we see across our world in all of the various ways that people are looking for truth, the author made the claim that today our modern age more closely reflects the first century world than the world ever has since the first century. And what I mean by that is that Jesus, Paul, the disciples, as they left Israel to spread the gospel, they were not afraid. They did not find, I mean, they found opponents, but they did not look at different belief systems, different truths as enemies. They just said, we have the truest truth. We have experienced a life, and we have found a truth in one God, in his son revealed as Christ, that supersedes any truth that we've ever known before. And so I just want to encourage us in that today as we close, that it is not about us making an argument, making an enemy against the world, because we believe, God believes, all of us are his created beings that we all carry God's image made in man, and he loves and cares about us deeply. So the truth of us worshiping one true God that made and created the entire world should unify us in saying, there is a truth, the truest truth. And I want everyone to experience what I've experienced and a God who created me, a God who loves me, and a Holy Spirit that will sustain me throughout this life and the one to come. So at this point, I just want to close out service and encourage us, based on on Phil's awesome message today, to share that truth. Because if I love that, I love the statement: uh, Christ is either a liar, a lunatic, or the Lord. Because if He is a liar, and you don't believe in Him, feel free to hate Him. I hate liars too. I don't like them. I shouldn't, but I do. If He's a lunatic, completely disregard Jesus. That's fine. I you know. There are things that people say to me and I'm like, I don't know if I can really trust that. I'm going to just kind of discard what you have just said. But if he is the Lord, then that changes everything about him, but most certainly everything about our lives. So as we as we wrap up today, if you are in this room and you're like, man, I have never re- really recognized that there's a God who is true, or a God who accepts me, loves me, created me, and you want to experience that for yourself, I just want to invite you. Our prayer team is going to come on forward, and I want to invite you to come and pray with them. Ask them, I want to begin this journey. Can you pray that God would give me the right steps to take to experience him more? And for the rest of us that maybe we're like, man, Pastor Chris, like this is a good check for me because I've known this for quite a while, I ask that you would allow God to be your Lord, to let him change the way you live, to proclaim the truest truth to all of the other truths in our world. And for the rest of us, make a choice. Are you going to come to to the Lord, understand him? Or are you going to do something about it? Are you going to act on it? So at this time, we are going to pray, we'll close out service afterwards, but if you feel this morning like, man, I need to make a response based on what, pa- what Pastor Phil shared this morning, please come forward, meet with our prayer team. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for the message that Phil prepared and shared with us. Father, for those of us in this room that maybe have never understood or heard you before, for those of us that... You know, we, we've we struggled with seeing you as a liar. We've struggled with seeing you as maybe some crazy person, but today we might be getting this glimmer of you might actually be who you say you are. Father, I pray for those of us in this room that are having that thought process right now, that we would respond and come and talk with one of our prayer team partners and pray and say, God, help me figure out the rest of this journey. Father, for the rest of us in this room that have known and accepted who you say you are as the truest truth, the revelation of all, the, of everything that there is to know about life. Father, we pray that we would leave this place today and proclaim that in word, deed, and action to all those around us so that they would see the, that there is a, a result, an action, a proof in our lives of what we say we believe. We thank you for everything you've done, everything you're doing, and everything you have yet to do.